everyone, and welcome to The Right Perspective. The makers behind the movies Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride Part 2 that came out in the 90s have just released Father of the Bride Part 3-ish a few days ago on September 20th, 2020 as a fundraiser for the World Central Kitchen. We had already planned to recap and review Father of the Bride 1 and 2 months ago because they are family favorites. We had no idea that part three-ish was coming out, so we're going to review that too. And as if that wasn't already juicy enough, we have also watched the original Father of the Bride from 1950 and its sequel from 1951, Father's Little Dividend. We are about to recap and review it all. But first, we have to introduce ourselves and then decide on the voting symbol that we will use to rate these movies at the end of the podcast. Bro, kick us off for the introductions. Hi, I'm Aubrey, and I'm the oldest. I'm Janaya, right, and I'm the middle. Hey, I'm Brittany, and I'm the youngest. <laughs> and, you know, we have to pick our voting symbols, y'all. And I, I, I didn't come up with great stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. I came up with like, I'll tell you the three I came up with. So, Vaznik, <laughs> Wedding Rings, <laughs> and then Birth Certificates. And so <laughs> I was thinking maybe we need to like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Did y'all come up with something better? Uh, I was thinking Wedding Dresses. What was, what was the first one again? <laughs> Vaznik, Vaznik, The Sleeping Pill. From from the <laughs> I was oh, also man. coming up with stuff like midlife crisis, empty nest syndrome. <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> what does a mid <laughs> What is the symbol for that? Is it like a person you, going like this? You know it when you see it. <laughs> you know it when you see it. Hmm. You know it when you see it. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I like oh. the, the idea of wedding dresses. However, um, it doesn't encompass all the movies. Yeah. So, so, so that, so that's the thing. And unless we're going to rate their classicness separately, mm. um, so and that can be, you know, and we could just quickly come up with one for each movie, or a symbol of. Um, I think all the movies, if we go back to the first and he was smoking his pipe, you know, it could be a pipe. Yeah. For, and that one will cover all. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about, it could be a gift box because all of them had gifts or it could be something like um, the house. The act like because that was a pivotal thing for even all four of them because yeah maple drive you know, yep maple drive um you know so something along those lines maybe mm -hmm. right. would tie three. all of them together okay and three houses you know, you know what else bro when you were talking about pipe the opening montage for all of them the originals and the sequels I mean the opening scene is the father sitting in an easy chair. Oh, the chair. The easy chair. That's it. Get I think that might be it. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. All right. Aww. So 
at the end of this podcast, we will decide whether this group of movies gets one, two, or three easy chairs. We each have one to confer. All right. So first, let's do a quick recap. And I'm just going to say these movies feel so iconic, you know? Um, but let's do a recap really quickly, and then we'll hop into discussion. So Father of the Bride, both versions, the 1950 original and the 1995 remake, are about the Banks family. And a father that struggles through the process of watching his precious daughter grow up. More specifically, he struggles with watching her fall in love and get married. Um, and we get to watch him humorously be in denial and struggle, not only with the changes in his relationship with his daughter, but with the costs and chaos that come along with a huge wedding. And the daughter struggles too. Um, in both movies, the original and the remake, you know, she is a young woman that loves her father, but has fallen in love with a man and wants to be married. Um, and, you know, and she wants to be married to him, but she's nervous about the transition. And she's nervous because of all of the obvious risks that come along with marriage, but also because she is a young woman with an independent spirit in both of the movies, a very independent spirit, and she doesn't want to let go of that completely. And so she struggles with that. And I will also say in both movies, in the original and the remake, the, you know, the, the fiance, he is pretty much the perfect guy. And he's pretty much coming from the, a close to perfect family. Um, and so you get to watch all of this frustration play out about him when he really doesn't deserve any of it because he's super great. You know, um, and then in the original uh, Father of the Bride in 1950, there were really were no side characters outside of the family units that drove the story. But in the 1995 remake, uh, I'm sorry, in the 1991 remake, there was a wedding coordinator that played a very important role in the story and in the comedy of the movie. The wedding does happen and it's huge and perfect and expensive and beautiful. And the father and daughter start to find a new kind of dynamic. And, you know, we also get to see the relationship between the father and his wife and uh, who's the mother of the bride. Um, we get to meet the in-laws. You really do get a chance to watch all of this, all of these um, familiar relationships go through the transition. And that actually brings us to the sequel. So in uh, 1951, the sequel was called Father's Little Dividend. And in 1995, the sequel was called Father of the Bride Part Two. This is the story of yet again, the Banks family and the father who just is not good with change, having to deal with the change <laughs> in the daughter's life. You know, this time though, she's having a baby. And it happens, it's not too long after the wedding, you know, the families have just settled into their new rhythms. And the father is genuinely happy. He has peace in his heart yet again, all is right in the world. And then bam, uh, the, the daughter's pregnant. He was in such a good place. And so he has to adjust not only to the fact that his, his precious daughter is now going to be a mother, he also has to adjust to becoming a grandfather. You know, which puts him through a midlife crisis, puts him into a midlife crisis, <laughs> and it is hilarious. Um, and we also see the daughter and her husband adjusting to married life as parents. And of course, they have a few false starts, but the baby is healthy. Now, in the 1995 
version uh, of the sequel, they add another layer where the father and mother of the Banks family, they also get pregnant at the same time. And so at the same time that they're adjusting to becoming grandparents, they're adjusting to being at the beginning of the parenting life cycle yet again, relatively late in life. And of course, the baby is born healthy too. So all the babies are healthy. And you know, frankly, it's just, it's a fun ride, but they did an amazing job in the remakes of adding enough, um, you know, special storyline to make those movies, you know, really unique. So, and then we have our special little bonus, which <laughs> is Father of the, of the Bride part three-ish. There is no third movie um, for the 1950s series. But just this year, just a couple of days ago, actually, you know, uh, the makers of Father of the Bride come out with Father of the, Th of the, B of the Bride Part 3-ish. And why is it an ish? It's only 20 minutes long, I think. It's really short. And in this story... It was right, right. right. It was done on Zoom. You <laughs> Hashtag <know>. quarantine. <laughs> and they did such a good job because they, they came up with a plausible a reason. Job why everyone was on a screen. Right. There was even a situation where there were two people in the same house and they had come up with a plausible reason why they were <laughs> logging in nice. from separate parts of the house. You know, they so they did, did so a really well. good job. And they, they, they nodded to, to, to right now, to COVID times and this, this being remote. And, um, and so what's the, what's the story there? Well, they're having a family meeting that's been called by Maddie who is the son in the Banks family. Um, and again, he's a character that's present in the first two, but definitely doesn't have his own storyline, really. Well, he has one in this one. He is the storyline. Yeah. And he um, has been engaged and was supposed to get married in 2020. But because of COVID, wedding got canceled, and he ends up throwing a surprise wedding for his fiance uh, on Zoom. And um, he's got her father there. He's got uh, the priest ready to go. And they get married and they have a surprise, a surprise virtual wedding. Um, so that's, that's the full uh, story of like all five of these movies, or maybe I should say four and a half of these movies. <laughs> I hope that was good, bro and sis. It was, oh, it was a fantastic as always. It was great. Okay. It was it's so like great. So, it's, there was so much um, to that talk fantastic. about. fantastic. I think well, that was great. So kick it off, kick it off. Okay, let's, let's it. kick it off. So we're going to try something a little different. This, um, You guys know we're still looking for our format. And so today we're going to kind of talk about um, different aspects of the movies. And we're going to talk across the movies. We're going to talk about plot and direction. Then we're going to talk about characters and the acting. And then we're going to talk about the cinematography and the sound and the music. So let's start with the plot, bro and sis. You know, does this movie, you know, let's talk about the arc of it. You know, was the story plausible for you? Was the premise interesting? Let's talk about the entertainment value, the direction. What did y'all think? So you just, well, let me just let you know, okay? Take it off, bro. We're, we're going to talk about everything together, right? Yeah, talk about oh, okay, everything okay, together. Right. Yeah, just, <clears throat> I got to tell you, the first um, uh, uh, movie, obviously, that we were introduced to was Father of the Bride 1. 
1991, right? Mm -hmm. right? That's the that's year. So, so that was the end. Obviously, and that's, that's one of our family movies. Like, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You took the words uh, out of my mouth. Yeah, we watched it a bajillion times. And so I was, uh, and that's what started, you know, this series of of movie watching we we did for this podcast, and um, right from the beginning, the there was a lot of nostalgia, obviously, because I remember us not only laughing at the, this movie, but like painfully laughing yeah. at this movie. And, yeah, and you're losing it. And, and, uh, and I had that, I had that nostalgic feeling, but just watching it with, you know, now, the plot was, um, for me, it was a little uh, hard for me to accept in a certain way. And I, I just got to say that the level of disrespect wasn't funny to me now as it was then for whatever reason. So what like, disrespect? Okay, so when you got the daughter coming home and, uh, and she's calling the dad George and, you know, just 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 really on this. And, and then when, you know, he came and he was just acting like everybody's on the same level, you know, that, that kind of thing. And there was a lot of comedy that jumped off of that relationship of, of them kind of coming home and, you know, being a little disrespectful or whatever. And I'm not saying it was a good humor. I'm just saying emotionally, it just didn't hit me in the same spot, you know? So, uh, so just, just, why, and, and watching how, of course, George Banks was being extra. Okay, so that, that's the part of what, what's going on. But at the same time, part of me was like, man, this guy's making some really valid points here. And it doesn't seem like anybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I bring the old man. He's I'm not like super surprised to hear you say that because I do <laughs> feel like the older we get, the more like you are sickened by characters, like movies or shows where the male character, where the man is like, you know, at oh, all. Oh, you're talking about dumb. me specifically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if the guy, if the, if the man is like at all, in any way, shape or form, at someone else's whim, you know, our bro can't stand it. That's what y'all need to do. Can't know. handle it. He can't take he it. Cannot and, and the character, it. the character <laughs> of the father, you know. And, and I gotta tell you, bro. So I'm so happy that you introduced it the way you did, where you were okay. talking about like a still appreciating it from right. like from like our love of it, but having a different perspective on it. Because I can, I mean, first of all, if you can watch a movie as many times as I have watched the 90s versions of Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride 2 and still laugh, mm -hmm. you know the joke is coming and you, you can say the joke and you still laugh out loud. That is good comedy. That yeah. is good writing. I mean, yeah. that is just well done. So the movies are just good. Um, but watching it now, I had a lot of feelings. Number one, it made me miss our dad, you mm -hmm. know, and... I think 
it part of it was the memories of like watching it with our dad but the other thing is it's about a father-daughter relationship and listen forget what you heard me and Brittany are daddy's girls we mm -hmm. are and so it's Absolutely. like you know watching that father and daughter it was it was emotional for me in a way that it hadn't been the last bajillion times i saw the movie um and the other piece was i now can relate to that feeling of wanting, of bringing a man home to your family and hoping they like him, you know, and just you're, you're all in, you're in, you, you know, you feel you've got something great and you want the family to come along. And so I was also able to, to relate to that character differently now because I've had adult experiences right. similar. Right. So what did you think, sis? Kind of, again, just from that perspective of like, looking at it fresh eyes as an adult well first i was kind of laughing at us because i said to myself which we acknowledged in our last podcast that we're doing something when we say complete 180 extremely different from the last <laughs> five episodes that we've done it's like the whole other side of the country in suburbia you know, um, all all white family, like it's just it, from it was the just wire, hilarious. from the wire, from the wire, yeah, from recapping the wire. It yeah. has just been, it was just so funny to me that we were just it was just going completely different the other way. The other part of it is, I would say I did not laugh as much as as Father the Bride won in 1991 there were parts though that i still expected them and it didn't make me want to turn it off it wasn't as if it was like oh i just can't wait for this movie to be yeah, exactly it was exactly. like That's yeah exactly. Was i like, was cracking up i was well, cracking I, I, up. Didn't, I, I didn't i didn't i already, already knew Janelle was cracking up. Oh, right. i was cracking up I didn't have uh, that feeling where it was like, okay, I want to just turn it off. Right, I love right, watching right, it. Exactly, you know what I mean? Exactly. But exactly. it was like, it didn't make me laugh the way I thought that it would. Yeah. Although there were still parts that did make me smile or chuckle. Um, like the part whenever he is in the grocery store and he's losing his mind about these hot dogs. That made me and smile. And he is, it made it just made me smile. But it also made me think about just the times that we're in. And it's like things like this, they will make the, the last, this is just the icing on top of the cherry, on top of the mm. cake. So much stuff is going on. And you want me to buy these eight hot dogs <laughs> and these 12 hot dog buns. This doesn't make any sense. And so yeah. it just watching him just basically lose his mind was hilarious. Yeah. Thing, I did I did I did laugh at that one, part. One thing so that hilarious. always bothered me about that part, even as a child, was they had a lot of people at the house. So if he would have just bought two uh hot dog <laughs> buns and three and three hot dogs Bro. packages. Bro, it he would have having out. a mental break. Okay. Because so even the way he was doing it, though, because he was taking four buns <laughs> out of several packs of buns. But that's what I'm saying. It was so, so funny because it was like but, he's literally losing his mind. But I love it like Steve Martin. He's a and genius. It's like, was, he, was he planning to pay less at the register? Because exactly. that, like. What's your plan, buddy? Brittany, here's your point, bro. It's like it's, here's, none here's of it a, made sense. It was like you're still 
buying several packs. Right. Well, Brittany, you you missed the really disconcerting <laughs> part of this whole situation. <laughs> is that Janaya really identified very quickly and was able to <laughs> explain? Well, he's losing his mind. So, you know. But I, I, but I mean, of course, when yeah. you lose your mind, that kind of stuff makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I just one plus one can equal three when you're losing it. But but I'll tell you this: one thing that is interesting though is that even though me and Brittany didn't laugh, like I first of all, I can envision Janai laughing. Oh, so I was cracking in, up. In, in, I in, mean, in like movie. tears. But, but but I can already envisioned it. But what's good about the writing is that the plot, just like Brittany said, it didn't feel painful to watch. It was yeah. like, you know, you, and it I think that really like speaks to good, that speaks to good writing because that means Absolutely. there's good, there's good pacing, Definitely. right? So, exactly. so like, you feel like you're moving through the story, not quickly, but it doesn't feel like it's dragging you. Right. It feels like the, the, the right amount of time. So it still makes it enjoyable to watch no matter what. And, and you so, know what? Go ahead, bro. No, I'm just saying, so from the, I just yeah. wanted to echo that, you know, based on what we're saying, is like, no matter what, you could tell it's great writing because there, we were, it's and there were so still good. parts to enjoy. Like, I still enjoyed um, when they met, um, was Frank. it Frank? Yeah. Yes. When, they, when they met Frank and so his funny. assistant. I still enjoyed it. And I still, I, I still, uh, uh, you know, internally laughed when they were talking about the cake, when he looked at that cake and saw the $1,200 that, that the, the wedding cake was going to cost $1,200. And watching just Martin Short as Frank, it's it's just he, when he, in interviews, when he talks about it, he says he didn't know what was going to come out of his mouth. Like he's just, this is the accent that just happened. And so he just had to do it, the, you know, just the whatever. The yeah, because he, he, yeah, he's a character actor. And it, he's, he's like, he did yeah, such a great job. And that part when he just comes and sits beside them, in between them on that couch with this giant book of, <laughs> of cakes. Oh and just, gosh. oh, no, no, we don't do that. And it's so just, funny. So this funny. It's just his whole essence. And, and you know, just B.B. Wong was just his sidekick, but B.B. Wong still had a great know, just presence. Can I put aside, that was crazy. I forgot that B.B. Wong was the assistant. And the thing is, is he plays such serious characters now. now. All the time. <laughs> so it's All like you time. can't even, I mean. All the time. Did you, uh, you guys ever watch um, uh, Mr. Robot? Mm -mm. No. Anyway, he's in that, and I'm just saying that's my last. Yeah. You know, vision. Yeah, I him. think of him from like Law and Order. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's for you. That's for you. Yeah. And, but, but he was funny. He was so, and I, and I love comedians who could do both. I mean, actors who could do both sides. Yeah. Um, and you know I, what? Can Can I ask a question though, y'all? Like I, you know, I'm thinking about you know. Again, just about on the storytelling, like on the plot, you yes. know, and we're talking a lot right now about the 90s version, yes. right? Because that's, those are the versions we're passionate about. We love them. I got to tell you, I'm happy we watched the 50s versions after we watched the 90s versions that we love because a couple of things. 
you were able to see how the 90s movies were really a wonderful, I mean, they really honored. I think this is how remakes are supposed to go, where you really honor the original, but, but, yes. but, but make it your own. Um, but just in terms of the writing and the plot, they kept the plots pretty much the same, but they punched up certain parts, you know, yeah. they added layers to make things more complex and more modern and more funny. Um, but again, the point I was going to make was that if I had watched the 1950s versions first for this current viewing and then watched the 90s versions, I think it would have taken something away from the 90s versions because of the places where there was overlap. You know, watching the 90s versions first and then watching the 50s versions, it was a pleasant surprise to see the jokes that I already knew um, in their original form. You know, That's, and it was I, like- I see that. It, it, was, it was a wonderful delight to see like, um, you know, there were certain things that are iconic to us from those movies um, that were actually um, taken from the originals. So I, wa I, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on like just that comparison and that journey of like watching the ones that we know and love so much, but then seeing like the pieces of them that, you know, really were taken from the earlier. Well, the, the, funny, the funny thing is, is that I, I definitely wanted to get into this as well. And it was the opposite for me that I kind of wished I saw the ah. 50s versions first because watching the 50s, uh, the, the 1950 Father of the Bride made me retroactively enjoy the mm. Father of the Bride from 1991 more because, it, because I've, I felt like it was a better movie than I realized. Mm. Because the thing is, is that they, they, when people, one thing, I love when people pay homage and cover a song or, or, and or do, do, it a, well. do, do a remake. Yeah. But, but yeah. here's the thing. When you go too far, it's like, you're just trying to do something different, you know, but like, if, if you're going to do a remake, do a remake. And there's this delicate balance between paying homage and being original at the same time. Mm. And I just felt like they did an amazing job of that because totally like even in the beginning, like the, the beginning part where you, um, where they talked about the coat, remember where, where he uh, uh, told her to wear the heavy coat and she said, no. And then yeah. he, and then the, you know, the, the, the fiance's fiance like, you really should get the coat. And then she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and what, what's also <laughs> interesting about that is that so much has changed between 1950 and 1991, but some things don't. And yep. that was the other thing that's interesting. Love because that. In the first uh, uh, movie, they were sleeping in separate beds. Right, you know, even Listen, the the the, the, the uh, I was like, why is this? But why it's was just this ever a thing? Why was this ever a thing? Like, I just don't understand the whole point of life for like this. I will say, speaking for America, right? The American dream is to get married and have children, two point five of them, and it's like, 
how are we doing this in separate bands? At the time, so at I the think time, it was, though, but it's like, why are we being modest in marriage? What's happening? Well, right it now? was more just, about it's just it was more about the presentation of marriage because sure. back in the 50s, there were a lot of regulations around. But um, did they do it for real? Because because well, I, I think, think that, that was just a, a TV and movie thing. I know for sure that at that time, um, showing a married couple laying in the same bed was, you know, yeah, it was sad so I even showing that even that... showing a pregnant woman as pregnant, the fact that they were doing that in that era was really they were pushing the boundaries a little bit. That's so funny to me. So, I'm not going to send you to Google, Janelle. I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> I'm but I'm curious because I always thought that was just a TV thing. And movie thing, but I didn't yeah. think people did that in. Uh, well, I don't know. So, Brittany, will, we'll, we'll, we'll know shortly. Right. <laughs> but anyway, well, I will we'll finish what you, you what you were saying. Um, I will tell you that that was something when I was speaking with. Uh, I think I said it to both of you, mm-hmm. just how either both movies were very clearly forward moving. And what they were doing. Right. They were very at much the so at the right. time. Right. So there right. was right. A, f- a, a way to be ahead of the game. They were ahead or in line with the culture, but more aware of how they were with the culture. So, for example, in um, Father of the Bride, the original in 1950, um, the family had a maid. And the maid's name was Delilah. And Delilah was a part of their family. She wasn't, even though she was a maid, she wasn't being treated like, oh, go do this, go do that. At the end of the night, after the wedding was in their house, they were like, well, we need to clean up so Delilah doesn't have to worry about this. This Yeah, that was interesting. That that was definitely interesting. This type of thing, having this black maid in this white family saying these words in 1950 like this is forward thinking you know i just they still you know they were calling her by her first name and she was calling her miss sure but but i mean and you know what and that's the thing we can get into the whole that whole thing about but man it was a, it was and a sir relatively and progressive it was a exactly. relatively progressive view of it absolutely it you know and, and so in, in in terms of how she was portrayed and how those things we didn't have any parts where people were just being rude to her like you just didn't see those things even in terms of when um because the daughter in the movie uh what what is her real name now it, it's it's moving elizabeth taylor. the original thank you elizabeth taylor the daughter in the movie, she is having this conversation with her father about how she's going to have this birth and the baby's going to be in the room with her and how they're going to lay the baby on her chest and how they're going to, um, and she's doing a natural birth and just all these different things. And it was like, this is new and fancy in this movie. Like, this is crazy. Or even the fact that they were putting an air conditioner unit into the window. That was new. And so it was just watching the intercom. movie. The, the intercom. Ugly. Yeah. The intercom. Yes, the electric razor. Yes. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> watching these things. And even right down to the fact that um, the cake cost $400. And that was expensive. And so even that was something I started looking at. Was like, 
average costs of weddings during these times. And these costs, they didn't just like double or triple over time. Like they didn't just like double, they like tripled, quadrupled over time how much people were spending average weddings from the 1950s the 90s um even in just in terms of how in the first movie the mom she didn't finish high school she didn't finish high school she got married and was pregnant she said i was watching my friends walk across the stage while i was pregnant she was married and pregnant before she graduated from high school and so just it well she didn't finish high school and so to then move into 1991 where you're seeing the daughter is not living at home. She's abroad in Rome. She is, although Elizabeth Taylor uh, was very forward thinking in this movie as well. Um, but you have the mom. She is a career woman. Diane Keaton's character, she's a career woman. Um, she is, she got married at 22 instead of, um, instead of 18. Um, so she was done with school. Like these different things, they were subtle nuances, but they were just keeping up with the times um, yeah. that were happening. But with that being said, I also thought about these movies and being made in this time, in 2020. And I kind of chuckled. I said the opening part where um, in the 1991 version where Steve Martin is riding with his red sidekick hat on. And I said, oh my, how that red hat could not have happened right now unless you were clearly trying to make some sort of statement. Um, just how even if someone decided to do another remake, how they would have to adjust to the times. But with that being said, Father the Bride 3, it is three-ish. It adjusted to the times of 2020 um, of how those things were working. So I just appreciate how anyone who is directing these movies, their mindset is not, let's stay back. Let's challenge whatever, as far as we can for whatever this time frame is. Um, so I appreciated that about the movies. Yeah, definitely. I agree yeah. with that. And, and they managed to 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 keep that theme of the family we're dealing with as a progressive family. Um, yes. And again, they were, they were just, we, we talked about a couple of them already. There were places where they really, really in the remakes, really, you know, honored and really, you know, just did a salute to the originals. And, there, and I, I, I wrote down a couple of them. Right. So one is the opening scene being the father sitting in an easy chair yep. mm -hmm. after a family event has occurred and being the narrator for the story. They did that for the 1950s versions. They did it for the 90s versions. Um, again, Bro called it out, that, that little exchange between uh, the daughter and her fiance when she takes his word to go and get the sweater or the coat. Uh, that happens in the original and it happens in the, in the remake. Um, that scene in the 90s movies that I think everybody remembers, and this is one of the ones that had me laughing out loud, I'm not going to lie, where they're going through the cards of the RSVPs for the wedding, <laughs> the people they're about to invite to the wedding, and the father banks is like, no, we are not inviting all these people, we have to get rid of some of these cards. That scene happened in both. The families both lived at 24 Maple Drive. Right. Um, you know, that scene of Steve Martin trying to fit in that suit. He cannot fit in that suit, Steve Martin. <laughs> and even, and even, really even if you could, that, that suit is done. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it's over. It's that over. That was in the original. 
Um, you know, and then there were just certain lines, you know, and the one that I wrote down that was my favorite was when the father of the bride sees the mother of the bride when she's dressed to go to the daughter to yeah. the wedding. Yeah, yeah. And she's at the top of the stairs and he says, I knew I'd never be able to remember what she wore that day, but I also knew I'd never forget the way she looked. They took that uh, line right from the original, plopped it into the remake. So perfect. It was just such a wonderful way to just make sure that the the love and relationship between those two characters that it remained as sound. Yes. And see, that's 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 what I'm talking about. It's just yep. like when somebody remakes a song and they put too many runs in there. It's like, why all right, I know that? you were listen. You're doing too the much. So the song, <laughs> the reason why you're remaking it is because the song was good. Just sing the song. Just do it didn't need that extra snare. It didn't need that extra snare. Don't give it to it. No, yes. please. But, Don't um, do it. That okay, scene, I want the, the first movie, the Father of the Bride movie ending with the husband and the wife dancing. They, it was from the original, and it was in the it was the '90s yeah. remake. Like that kind of thing, they did such a great job. Of I want to ask you, guys. you Don't forget about the figurine too. That figurine of that little ugly clock that in the very real one, Aunt Saint. Then they also had figurine as one of the wedding gifts in the original. That was I was awesome. like, how you that whole scene, that whole scene is in that whole scene. That whole scene. I wanted I wanted to ask you guys what did you think about as far as the movie moving? It was interesting watching in 1950. They didn't have music like that in the movies. So um from one aspect I guess you can focus more on what people are saying and stuff, I guess. But I like having the music punctuate certain uh, comedic stuff that's going on in the movie. So, like, I like that over time that movies have added music to, to you know, punctuate what's going on and stuff like that. What, what did you guys, did you guys even notice that? Definitely notice. So let's go to that. So let's now yeah. go to cinematography. Yeah sound and music that whole mm -hmm. category definitely noticed bro actually i think Brittany, did i bring that up to you we were talking at some point and you i was did. like you i did. was um, oh i remember this specific observation i was making i was like you know what the 1950s father of the bride was truly funny like laugh out loud funny at parts um and they did it without the help of a song to kind of add levity to the scene. And so it really just required like a wonderful and very real and funny delivery from, from the actor. So not having the music made the actors, it, it, they had more work to do. And, I, and I, I noticed it and I appreciated it, you know. I got you. I honestly, I was not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> It says a I lot, though, that you didn't Because <laughs> even when Janiyah and I were talking about it, I was like, oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 no that's what I had said. True. Literally, guys, I, even in this moment, when Aubrey just asked the question, I was like, I still don't know what they're talking about. I Wait, what, what about watching I in black know. and white? 
How did y'all feel about watching a black and white? Oh, yeah. So that's another thing. 50s movies, felt, black and white. I felt classy. I felt classy. I said, ooh. I said, I feel, I feel real like a film buff right now. I'm watching a black and white film. Mm. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's definitely, it definitely gives that. And, and you know, I mean, we're, we're, there are some black and white movies as far as like musicals and stuff like that that we already talked about that we want to review um, at some point. But uh, I got to say that it, it's, it's interesting, but I definitely, if I was around at that time, would have been very excited when a movie started coming to color. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there what were... What does this dress look like? Yeah, that, that's, that, and that's the interesting thing that... <laughs> Is this like I, blue or black? When it hit me <laughs> was when he was uh, mixing a drink and it was like, I couldn't tell, like, is that water? Is that vodka? Is that lemonade? <laughs> is that iced tea? You know, what is it? And, oh, uh, man. You know you what? Know, I didn't, I, I did I, I agree. Obviously, uh, color is, is better. It's better right, to right. see what's really going on, see the reality. But what I was struck by was like black and white movies with no music track. It was just like, it was up to the writing. It was up to the the performances. It was up, like the pressure on the actual, like the nuts and bolts of the content has to stand up so much more when everybody's outfit is gray. You know, and so I just, <laughs> everybody's outfit is gray. You know, and so I just, I, I was watching it more like, wow, I'm really enjoying, and I watch black and white movies, you know, mm-hmm. but just for the sake of comparing them, I was like, man, I'm really enjoying this. Like, and not like, I didn't feel like You're I was not missing a lot. it. I didn't miss and it as much know, as I thought I would. I think something happens in our brains where you almost have to be able to be okay to place something where it is. Mm-hmm. I can't put the expectations of a 1990s movie on a 1950s movie. There you I go. can't put the expectations of a 2020 movie um, on a 19, um, 1990s movie. I just can't do it. You have to let allow them to be who they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I will tell you, when speaking of color, I would love to see what it looked like in the color um, when the father was having that dream where basically he was going crazy. He was late for the wedding. And that was really, that was, and what she's talking about, just if you haven't seen it, they they did a a scene where he was having a nightmare. And it was really good. It was really well done. like This is 1950 special effects. And they did it. it yeah, was, he's it, like it was sinking into the floor. Sinking and... into the floor. His clothes are falling and stretching yeah. off. And then of the him. floor was real bouncy at one point. <laughs> it's, exactly. It but, really and that, checkered. <laughs> yeah, they now, did a really good job. Now, look, let me say this to abruptly go to Father of the Bride 2. Um, Father of the Bride 2, though, actually made me laugh. I, Father Brought Two made me laugh. There were, the, first of all, the, when you go to a movie sequel, it's always touchy because it's rare that you're going to have a good movie sequel. You know, a lot of times movie sequels just don't hit the mark. But I think this one escalated everything 
but they did it again in a good way. Oh, like same yeah, thing. Yeah, like stuff they took stuff a little further, but it wasn't ridiculously over the top. You know, um, like, but I'm gonna tell you when he was the, the scene where he finds out when they find out she's pregnant, the the uh, <laughs> George Banks and and his wife, the the uh, fifty year olds find out they're pregnant. That. <laughs> Had me laughing just I, like the first time I'm, I saw I'm pretty sure I fell off the couch. Yes. No. He said, the doctor said <laughs> yes. to Diane Keaton, you're, you're having a baby. He stood up and just, who may I ask is the father? <laughs> you two-time and father, Ari? Calling her by her maiden name. It's all calling her by her maiden name. It's so funny it's just so, talking about it. It's, it's so, so funny. It was so funny. And, and when they were driving, and when they were driving home, and, and she kept seeing, she was looking out the car window, and she kept seeing all the beautiful stuff behind the baby. You know, like all the, all the mothers having these beautiful moments. And then he's looking out. Those this was so bad. Just seeing, and all he could see was the uh, the fathers being completely yes. terrorized by the yes. kids. Yes, yes, that was that was funny that in was, 2020. I love the so way they shot that. Was, that. I love was, the way they shot that with the with the two oops. of them looking out the, the same car, one side, the other side. Oh, that was really well. Same done. street, two separate sidewalks. It was so funny. But it's like and the I, law of attraction. You see what you're looking for, right? Ooh, like that's you, good. That's good. You know? and, and, that's and, and the, uh, the, 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 the slapstick comedy was like right in that sweet spot. You know, because like for me, I, I don't like, personally, I don't like the slapstick to go too far. But when Frog had given him those sleeping pills. Listen. And, <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I just have to take over this part. Because when I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you, I literally had to catch my breath. Out. So funny. I went into that silent laugh that you are not oh, making. You're not, exactly. If anyone was to come in here and then see, like, what are you, are you okay? Like, that is what was happening can, can I Can I quickly talk about the, the opposite of the quiet laugh is the quiet cry. Like if you get a real bad whooping, that's oh, another one where it's like that, it's I can't do it. That was just a random that, that, that exists no, we, on we both were, sides. We were, yeah. It we exists on both, both sides of the spectrum. No, I'm just saying it's nice. just it's just funny how that exists on on both ends of the In spectrum. Both no, so, the spectrum. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything miserable to inject into the conversation? <laughs> oh, Janelle, are you traumatized by the, by the one spanking when, you got your whole entire life? Oh, some people follow the rules. Some you people know, follow the rules. One thing about the sequel is that you know someone did well in the original movie when they feel like we can bring back their original cast and not add anyone. They literally just added infants in a couple of doctors. Like they did not. No, no, add. no. Baby. There was no, 
there was nothing it was it was still the same families still the same concept of just watching these families live through life and so um another nod that i do want to say to both of the sequels the original and the uh, newer one in the 90s was that watching um the new husband of the daughter really take care of her and fawn after her and then watching people go through the new woes of marriage you know they're they're upset about certain things that when you finally find out why she's crying real just these horrible tears it's like he got me a blender and it's like what <laughs> Girl, if you don't go blend something, it's just, you know, you hear, you hear these things. And so there was a part in um, the original sequel. Uh, what is it? The baby, what father's was their name? Di- father's, father's Little, little Dividend. Dividend. And um, the daughter, she is upset because she is believing that the husband is cheating. And so she, she packs up her stuff yep. and she takes a cab. And she takes it to her parents' house. Now, that is unbeknownst to the father. (laughs) She is sleeping outside, y'all. She is sleeping outside because the doctor said she needs to get plenty of air for the baby, which was so funny. But then what happens is, of course, the husband is up late into the night. He's freaking out. He doesn't know where his wife is. He eventually calls the parents. And the father and him, they go looking, they find out, the father and him call the cab company, and eventually the cab company does tell them where they drop her off, which is at their home. They go back to the parents' house, and as she's about to go upstairs to go to sleep in the parents' house, because she doesn't want to go home, the husband is like, well, make sure that she... um, you can't keep going up all these stairs. The doctor told me, said that you can't walk up a ton of stairs. So you just have to go upstairs and you just have to stay up there and make sure she gets eight glasses of water and make sure that she's taking her calcium pills because she'll forget. Did you bring your calcium pills with you? And she's like, no, I forgot them. And then she's he's just going, and then he says, sit down. You're not supposed to have these shoes on like this. The doctor said, you're not supposed to do this. And so he starts to take her shoes off for her. And so you just see him taking care of her which makes me think about eat all four of the movies, these men truly loving their women Mm -hmm. and truly loving their wives and fawning over them and taking care of them. No matter if they do something that's a little crazy, George. And Brittany, um, it's really all five of the movies. Same thing in the three and a half. I meant to say five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. On all five of the movies, you're watching these men really love the women that they're with and they don't care about looking crazy or doing too much or saying it and being ashamed of it that I am in love with this woman and that I think she's the most beautiful woman um and that in even in three-ish where he's like I'm planning this wedding I don't want to wait I know we're in quarantine everything is ridiculous right now but I want to make sure that you are my wife and I'm going to do it by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. And so just uh, seeing the, the, the classic love story um, is really beautiful sometimes, even if it's in a comedic way. And sis, um, and sis you're, you're giving us the perfect segue into the actors and the actual, like the acting, the characters yeah. as they were written, but yeah. then also the acting. Um, so let's talk really quickly. I'll read through just some of the key cast members. So in the, um, when we're talking about the 90s versions, the 91 original, 95 remake, to uh, 2020 um, 
you know, three and a half. Um, we have Steve Martin as, G as George Banks. Diane Keaton is playing his wife, Nina Banks. Kimberly Williams is playing the daughter, Annie Banks. Um, the little brother is Kieran Culkin, which me and Brittany were so surprised. We were like, oh, that's Macaulay Culkin's brother. Um, <laughs> Kieran Culkin is Maddie Banks. Um, and then the, the fiance, uh, the uh, husband, the fiance, George Newbern plays Brian McKenzie. And we, of course, have Martin Short playing Frank Egelhofer. B.D. Wong, as we just talked about, was playing <laughs> Frank's assistant, Howard Weinstein. Um, and then we had Eugene Levy, who played like a strange character in both of them. <laughs> in, in, in Father of the Bride 1, he played a wedding singer. In Father of the Bride 2, in 95, he played a, um, a house developer, which I thought was so funny that they brought him back. Now, if we talk about the cast in the 50s movies, these are some big names, you know, in both cases, you know. So for the 1950s Father of the Bride, we had Spencer Tracy as Stanley Banks, Joan Bennett playing his wife, Ellie Banks. We had Elizabeth Taylor as the daughter, Kay Dunstan, Don Taylor um, playing her fiance, Bucky Dunstan. Um, and then we had, uh, you know, they had other big names, you know, playing the in-laws and things like that. And they had one of our favorite actors, Russ Tamblin, playing the little brother. Um, and he is Gideon from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which is one of our <laughs> favorite movies. The same. Oh, gosh. The same. Insane. So, um, and then when you're, um, oh, and I forgot to mention, in Father of the Bride in the, in the, in the 2020 version, part three, all of our favorite characters, and they added a woman, uh, Rachel, who plays, you know, Kieran Culkin's wife, Alexandra Ship. So just naming, like, these are not low-budget films. These are big names, and I think we got our money's worth in the 50s version and in the 90s version. Let's talk about it, because I feel like, I mean, to talk about these specific actors and their portrayals and the way that their characters were written, can we please just start with like the father? You know? Well, don't forget to add Robert De Niro. Was it Robert De Niro? Yeah, he was he in came Father of the three Bride three-ish. Mm-hmm. So that was fun scene. That was fun. You know what? What? What we're got, well, let's let's start with. I think we have to start with that father. He is. He is the. He is. He sets the tone at the very beginning. He is the narrator of the all of the movies, and um. You know, it's just if the wrong actor would have been in the in those roles, yeah, it would have just ruined everything. I thought that 1950s guy was hilarious. He did a great job, and of course, Steve Martin is a genius. He is a genius. A comedian. He's a genius. comedian. His timing. His... He is a genius. Uh, his mom. I his mom. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, guys, we, we okay. have to tell you, Janai and I all the time just randomly. All the time. We, it's we not because Trump. we were doing this podcast. It's not. We always, as a part of our normal lives, meaning our always, normal lives, every day. We use the hello. <laughs> yeah. Every day. It's at least oh, once a day, honestly, <laughs> since maybe we skip a day here and there, but, but here, pretty here much every day, one of us has said to the other, hello, 
And the response is what? Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we, we love some said that I know we're not talking about him right now, but when but that said, Martin George. He was explaining it to to George <laughs> in the mall. In the mon. In the mon. Like, okay. Well, all right. Clearly, we're talking about Martin Short right now. We'll come back. Sorry. To, we'll come back to so the father. Sorry. Okay. So let's talk about Martin Short because that character in the original films in the 50s, there was a, a coordinator. You know, they actually they called him a caterer, right? And yeah. he played that role, but he was very minor. He truly, truly was not, you know, memorable or special. He had a flair to him and a and an arrogance, but he was not special. They elevated that role for the 90s remakes and they made it a significant relationship for the Banks family. And they cast it with Martin Short and that was the right thing to do because he is hilarious. And I watched a, a interview of him um, where he was reflecting on playing that character. And he said the funniest thing, he was like, our goal was for uh, the audience to believe that George couldn't understand him. But it needed to be clear enough that the audience and, and, and the wife and the daughter could understand. But it had to be convoluted <laughs> enough that you would believe that George couldn't understand. And so he said, we would just do take after take. And he said, we would start with like, blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> he said, and then we would turn it down a little until we got right to that point where we was like, okay, we believe he can't understand you, but everyone else can. Martin Short, you are a genius, Martin Short. Martin Short, and where are you from? Like, no one... He said character. that. He said that. He was like, this character... He said, and where is... This is what he was saying in the interview. And where is Frank from? No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> Who speaks like this anywhere? No one. <laughs> no one. Oh, that Martin Short. He did, oh, he did that so thing. Yeah, funny. I mean, I, th they, so definitely, they were definitely extremely well-casted. Um, oh, the uh even bd you know, you know, the assistant funny the, the, the funny thing is is Ugh. that i don't know what it is i can't recognize i know that the 1950s movies were well casted but i don't i can't explain it as much or recognize why as much sure. as i can with the the 1990s version mm. just because no matter what we can't watch the 1950s movie as a person in 1950 like like you you no matter what you can't but bro fully... but bro the fact okay what makes a, a comedic character hilarious is that they are they take themselves seriously right and they're funny to watch right. that father in the 1950s the way he was delivering his lines his mm -hmm. facial expressions when things were happening him just being completely overwhelmed his narration with that dry humor that wasn't him trying to tell a joke he's just truly befuddled by what's happening bro that was great comedic delivery Right. Yeah, I get. I get. It was. It would be funny now. Well, what what I'm, I guess, what I'm trying to describe, just from my my per, my perspective, is that, um, okay. So watching Father of the Bride 
Steve Martin was already a legend going into this movie, obviously. But like, Aubrey, like you Aubrey knew that. Yeah, I see what you're yeah, saying. But, mm. but and what what I'm saying is, is that watching him interact with other actors, knowing that Steve Martin was the man, Got especially it. You back had then. had a relationship with Steve but, Martin already. And, right, and to see him, and to see him not have to overdo it and let other people shine, it was like, it was just interesting. And what I'm saying is, is the first guy might have did that exact same thing, sure. but I but I just can't see you it don't because, know and I don't know you everybody don't know else. All of the people, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but like watching this, you can see how man, like the 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 um, like the 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 scenes, for example, in the first one when you talked about when when they sat on the couch, and you could just see Steve Martin. It's, like okay, this is Martin short scene, but at the same time, I'm just with my facial expressions. I am fully like in the scene. I'm in scene my character. At I'm, the same time, yeah. as this other character is controlling the scene, and I just I love that when I can yeah. see, uh, because I feel like actors like Steve Martin raise up the whole cast. It's like everybody gets better when they're around certain levels of genius yeah and it's just something that i can recognize because of course i like diane keaton and i like i like uh you know martin short and all that but i can say that for most of them this is my favorite movie of them but for steve martin you know i still got you know three amigos and I mean, just all bro different, you different are officially dismissed from the family podcast how dare you diminish the portfolio of Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton I'm not, I'm not, I'm not to, I, yes, I didn't you did. You did. I mean, how could you possibly act like this is like the best thing of I all did, of her work that you've ever seen? Listen, all right, first of all, okay. I think you're really taking- Like you're not, like this is not like an amazing portrayal from her. She's amazing in this. I just said she's amazing. Well, the whole cast. Say it more emphatically. I, <laughs> I um. Because that Diane Keaton. Listen. This is this play, is this. This is this you're is actually. 100% incorrect about everything you're saying. This is actually <laughs> reminiscent of the emotion. This is why men can laugh so much at the Steve Martin scenes, like when she was complaining about the blender, because we often find ourselves in these Twilight Zone conversations. Bro! We really bro, don't know I, how I we got there. I didn't appreciate how you were celebrating Steve Martin in a way that made the other actors like relatively not let, offering at that same level. That's what I'm first struggling of all, let me, let me, Even before you who, make your point, who, brother, who was clear. Wait a minute now. This movie was about Mar about George Banks, who is a crazy person. <laughs> he's a crazy. He's literally an irrational crazy I'm person. Just, and saying. you picked out the one scene where the daughter was irrational. Thank you, Phil. Um, Brittany, take your mic off of was, the stand was, and drop it because was, you needed to. Was, did you was, just do that? <laughs> Was, was, Steve, was Steve Martin the, the lead 
of the movie? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> who do you think I paid the most in Father of the Bride? What is your point? Oh. The listen, we need to get into listen, the fact that listen, this is a true we, thing that is happening in Hollywood, that women are still not getting paid as much as they're supposed to. And let me just All right, well, well before before my point gets taken any further out of context than it already is, uh, let me just attempt to clarify that what I'm saying is, is great leads elevate everybody else in the movie, whether they are uh, whoever the lead is. And I'm just saying that to me is a great lead. When you, when everybody around you gets funnier based on you, I feel like that makes a good lead. And I'm saying in terms of comedy, this, this was what I think about when I think about Diane Keaton. That's all. <laughs> was there another comedic role that I'm not thinking about with Diane Keaton? Uh, yeah, many. First Wives Club. Hello. What are you doing? Uh, well, Why in the well, world would I, I watch a movie called just, First Wives All right. Club? I just, that's going to be Aubrey our next one. Done. But I'm, I no, I'm, I'm literally Aubrey, asking. I've never seen First Wives Club. And Aubrey is not going to know a lot of Diane Keaton stuff. And that is because she is the genre of movie that Aubrey normally watches. She, she does not. not she doesn't make those. Well, let yeah. me say, let me, let me, so bro, listen, I, I, I would like to say that generally I agree with your point. But my problem with what you're saying about this, with you saying that about this particular cast, is because it, it's almost like you're 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 giving Steve Martin credit for elevating the performances of these others, as if they weren't also elevating his performance. That's what I'm struggling with. Because oh, I'm a, I'm here's a, the a, thing about a, I think I think if you you have a Steve Martin and you have a Diane Keaton. In a scene, well, it was implied. That was your implied secondary. Think about the things that I said, and that was your secondary statement. You didn't say it explicitly. You said it implicitly. That's right. Women, and women know what you're thinking and what you're saying. Right. That's exactly what right. right. I said. Gotcha. I've known you for a very long time. Bro, no, your okay. words were that you. He allowed them. You just literally made the statement that his performance elevated their comedy. And, and they, it's like, but they, but ele they elevated but each other is what I, I'm saying. I think I, what Janaya is saying, or I, my point is I that take it, I take I it all back. That I apologize. I take no, it all back. I take no, it all back. I, I apologize. Do not right. take you it back. Are, huh? Yes. Do not take it back. But what know, I want to say, I don't know what my, I was saying. Because I don't know what I was Janaya's saying. Janaya's point is that they all, you saying that Steve Martin elevated everyone. Janaya is saying that everyone elevated everyone. Right. I see, I see where I was wrong. Everybody did oh, elevate everyone. Don't do that. And I'm saying I this, agree with you now. All right. Don't, don't do well, that. But uh, what my opinion would be that they got three big names to make this movie. Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, and Martin Short. Exactly. Now that is just my opinion. That they had three Experts. large names Experts. that came into this and they were all did well. Um, and, and, this, and now I will agree to your point, bro, for, for the side characters that we don't really knew that well, which would be the son of the McCulkin, uh, the, the daughter, 
I don't remember her name and and the son-in-law and even the parents like um of the son-in-law like I would totally agree to that point of him coming in and allowing them whatever space they needed to I agree. be great um but I would just say that they were those three were big three big names to me that came in and in my opinion, their egos weren't so big that they all couldn't just do well um, in that way. But, but, but yes, listen, these are some bold statements happening on this. <laughs> oh, no, on this here podcast. I, I gotta, love I, it. I got to tell y'all, I, um, I, so I am a, you know, I'm a student of comedy right now. You know, the last couple of years, I have actually been taking classes um, in improv and sketch writing and character writing. And it's just like, you see a master, you know it when you see it, you know? And it is just like that Diane Keaton, that Steve Martin, that Martin Short, I mean, they are just so good. They know what it is to make people laugh. They know what it is to tell a story. They know what it is to be fully in a character. And you know what? This is actually something else Martin Short said in that exact same interview. He was like, um, uh, you know, there's no point at which Frank is trying to be funny. He was like, Frank is just being himself. Right. And, and he was like, and that's what makes him funny. And he was just talking about the number of takes that they had to do to get that character right because of, of not wanting him to be, you know, cartoonish, basically. Trying to wanting be him to funny. be authentic. Exactly. Exactly. They yeah. did it's a great just, job it's at just, that. It was just really good. And you know, and there was another, when we were talking, going down the cast list, I skipped one person I shouldn't have skipped. Now, let me tell y'all, back, so going back to the 1950s movies, the way that I recognized Russ Tamlin was his voice. When I heard him, and I was like, is that Gideon? Because I recognized uh-huh. his voice from Seven Brides with Seven Brothers. And then I looked up the credits, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Gideon from Seven Brides with Seven Brothers, who was playing Tommy Banks. I had that exact same experience with another character. Did you all? So I heard the voice, and I was like, is that Glinda, the good witch from The Wizard of Oz? And I looked it up, oh, and it was goodness. her. I couldn't oh, believe boy. it. The mom. Um, I'm, I'm Janiya, that is so good. You want to know why? Because I Billy literally, Burke, Billy Burke. Listen, I, was, I heard her voice, and I was like, "Yes, yes. Linda, the Good Witch." <laughs> Janiya, that is so crazy to me because I was listening, and I said, "I was like, do all people from this time and era sound the same when they're talking in these movies?" Janiya, I didn't realize that. So her I voice, her voice felt familiar that. to you, but you just couldn't play yes. it. Yes, I knew immediately. I, I was like, "That's Glenda the Good Witch." And can I tell you something? I I think, and again, I don't know if this is the case, but I was thinking like the fact that just their voices were, I was able to 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 recognize their voices. I wonder if it's because it was black and white, no soundtrack. So there wasn't all this other stimulation to distract me. And so my brain didn't have so much to process in the scenes. And literally, Gideon sang two lines. He didn't even say much. He said a he little something. He literally didn't say much. I was like, that's Gideon. 
the that's first thing that mom mm-hmm. said, I was like, that, that's Glinda. And, I, and I, I just wonder, I wonder if it's because of, the, of how simple the presentation was. What year, what year was Wizard of Oz? Good it was third. I thought that was I'm 30. I'm happy you asked. Well, bro, also, I wanted to tell you, I did look 1939. Okay, okay. So it was okay. Wow. But I, and, and, bro, I did look up the double bed thing. And it turns out that, it, you know, it's beginning in the 20s, twin beds were seen as fashionable. Oh. Now, this is just one source that I found very quickly, you know. But I mean, it's we're, saying we're, we're, that- we're not talking about COVID-19 here, right? We just... <laughs> I think it's okay. We can be <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was like you know. But then going into the 1950s, uh, separate beds began to be seen as a sign of a distant or failing marriage. So mm. you know, and so it 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 changed over time. And by the 1960s, twin beds were completely out. Gotcha. All right. Okay. According to which the okay. site. according according that to was- the site. But that explains why the censors from the 50s felt like it was the right thing to portray because mm. they would have had thinking from uh, the of conservative eras prior. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I would tell you this, uh, something that again was forward moving was the fact that he was, when he was being very sexually attracted to his wife in 1951, it makes me wonder what, you know, people who were doing movie reviews back in the day were like, listen, this is risque. When he, I wonder. He, pitch, I wonder. he pitches her butt as they're walking out the door. She's looking at him like, <laughs> he, he pulls her body to his. He gets a little frisky. But then again, in the, in the 1990s version, they had sex on the floor of the kitchen. So they got a little listen, bit more frisky. Hello. Hello. That was very so, frisky. But he I turned love, the lights I, out. I love that marriage. I love that marriage, you know? And the reason I love it is because it is not perfect. I just hate when people act like, you know, relationships are not like a daily choice, you know? And you see Nina Banks in the 90s versions dealing with that crazy (laughs) A-S-S husband that is Martin. And here is that is Steve Martin. And you're just like, you're watching her just offer him grace over and over and over again while he goes through his motions. And she does it so lovingly, but it's work. And I like that. I like that they show that. You know, it's just the the relationships just seem really real to me. So which almost you saying that makes me hope that once quarantine is done, that we can have an actual Father of the Bride 3 to see which of, because we saw how in the movie, um, the daughter was more George Banks and the husband was more Nina because George said that in the over, um, in his narration of the movie, like, I get it now. She's me, he's Nina, you know, he's calm. She's more like spastic and crazy. Um, And it makes me wonder if we would get a chance to see who's calm and who's spastic and crazy in the son's relationship. Um, And just to see that dynamic continue. But it was funny. Yeah, it was funny when Robert De Niro couldn't understand what Frank was saying. (laughs) They kept cutting back to him. And Robert De Niro was like, what? What? It was exciting to see see Frank. (laughs) To see Frank uh, again. That was exciting. Yeah. And I... um, also, the uh, normally, uh, like you said, I, I don't watch 
even these kind of movies. Uh, I mean, that Father of the Bride, obviously, back then, as kids and stuff like yeah. that, we watched it. But um, uh, the thing about feel-good movies, a lot of times they're so, like, I couldn't even make it through them. Like, it's like fingernails <laughs> on a chalkboard. Yeah. But, like, but this movie, um, even in the parts that were difficult for me to get through, like when he was playing basketball with his daughter and it's like, oh my God. But oh. like watching stuff like that, they didn't go too far. Right. Where a person like me uh, couldn't get through it. Whereas yeah. in a lot of movies, I wouldn't even attempt to watch. I wouldn't even do because it. Of that. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? I really appreciate that, bro. I appreciate that. And I think like that's, that's what, when you talk about what is a family movie, mm-hmm. that's what makes yeah. a good family movie. It's like, can everyone watch it and no one is walking away resentful of the time that they've spent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And that truly, the, the, the Father of the Bride movies, the originals and the remakes, I would say they're all good family movies. You know, and you know what interview I didn't look up that I think would have been interesting to see. So Elizabeth Taylor was alive. She didn't pass away until 2011. And so, you know, she could have, I'm sure she saw the remake Mm -hmm. and I would, it would have been nice to get her perspective and any other actor somewhere. I I, I didn't even think to look it up, you know, until there's gotta be somewhere. Um, but that would be an interesting you know, perspective to get. Absolutely. That's it almost makes me wonder if they tried to get her to do a cameo, but couldn't make it happen. Or or maybe she didn't want to. It makes me wonder about that. Because mm-hmm. that would have been a great nod to the older movie, mm-hmm. you know, to have her be someone in the movie yeah that would have been so cool yeah one thing i definitely want to point out about i will say i was a cry i have never cried at father of the bride at all that's never been the scenario for me but me watching it in 2020 being and reflecting on life and watching her get married and walking down the aisle with her father and we've already talked about our father has passed away and I was like man I'm not going to get that so it was just being able to see it in these lens of where you are now with that being said I was thinking about father the bride three-ish and how the um the new wife she is she was uh she's mixed race and she's also the, she's a character, which again, we're, we're running into characters now. We've talked about so many things. She was the girlfriend from the Shaft movie, the, the newest Shaft movie. Uh, and so it was just nice seeing her in there and then bringing in a person of color into the main cast of the movie, uh, but also them making a nod to um, our individuals who are on the front lines of COVID. Yeah, who she, are our healthcare professionals? She was a doctor in that movie. She was a doctor um, and her in between shifts in quarantine in a hotel, and so them just really making a point to really be careful about how they're doing the times right now, um, and so it was just really, just really nice um, to have that as well. Oh, and I since really you know, appreciated that. You know what you remind me of, since I forgot to say earlier, um, you know. 
watch and we've talked about this uh, i think on the podcast and in general uh you know just offline uh sometimes going back to watch the shows from our childhood that we love and cherish the shows and movies the whiteness of them is overwhelming and yes. it is like it's so hard because it's like we're, we we go back and we watch things from the 80s and it is just like oh my gosh these horrible you know, limited portrayals of people of color and these just these problematic narratives and yes. just the tropes that they use. And it's hard to laugh now what was really funny before. Um, and I will just say, I was ready for that. I was like, when I watch Father of the Bride with a critical eye, am I going to appreciate it as being placed in the early 90s? Like, am I going to be ready for that? And can I tell you all, that very first seed where we see George Banks's business, I don't know yeah. if y'all noticed, but his team was so diverse in terms so of diverse. race, age, good mix gender-wise. Gender. I was like, man, they were responsible in the 90s. I mean, the movie was about a white family. So everybody was white in terms of the main characters. But when they were showing the world, they showed a diverse world. And I, I just thought, man, that makes me love the movie even more. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And him being, it made it, the one thing I will say about the Banks family is that this family can translate into any ethnicity. It can translate absolutely. into any um, culture because the dynamics of it, you family. will always family you will have a father that is concerned about the pricing of things you will have a wife that once is, is so excited about everything that's happening a wedding a baby you you will be you will have a daughter that is crying because you don't understand like you're gonna have that and you have the little son that's just laissez-faire he's just Whatever is happening, he's just there. You know, you're going to have these characters translate into anyone. And I just really, really appreciate that. And the fact that he was a business owner, but he wasn't um, some tyrant, awful boss. Like that was just not, that was not it. His, his, he was a nice family man that knew all his employees' names. He, and he knew that they had family. So, you know, just really appreciative of how they made that. Very, the, the movie was very approachable. It was very yeah, approachable. Sis, see, that was such a good, that, I feel like that's our closing note, y'all. I mean, right. that, was, that was a good rap note, sis. You know, right. so it's, I guess it's time to vote. If all hearts and minds are clear, as our late father might have <laughs> said, um, you know, let's ask the question now. Does Father of the Bride, 1950, Father of uh, Father, Father's Little Dividend, 1951, um, Father of the Bride, 1991, Father of the Bride Part Two, 1995, Father of the Bride Part Three ish. So you mean so you mean the Father of the Bride film series? Thank you, bro. Um, thank you, bro. I and I'm just I can I just I just want to pause <laughs> and thank you, because I think people need to see what happens about the way that Arby won't let anybody else be great. Do you see that? As soon as someone else. Thank you. No, I was just. Is it, is it about is it about being great, or is it really just about giving things a proper name? 
And, I, and did you all also just see how Britney switches allegiances? <laughs> you never know where she's going to land. Is she on my team or is she on Arbery's team? Wild card. Out of convenience. But I also appreciate you talking about each movie individually. I was doing a recap. <laughs> and, and here's what y'all really need to know. Britney wants me to slice up our podcast to make little promos. And so that's actually what I was doing just now, y'all. I was trying to make something that would be a nice little editable chunk and you ruined it. Um, <laughs> so I think this is, it is the movie chunk, get though, because your, this is our family. Does the movie get your, what, is, what did we say it was? <laughs> easy chair. Easy chair. Easy chair. Is easy it a classic? Chair. <laughs> does this, does this, does the, does the series get your easy chair? <laughs> you know, the funny thing was, is I was on the fence after mm. the first movie. Um, I, I just was on the fence because to me, I, I, a classic would have still made me laugh. But guess what? I, I, you know, especially after our, watching the 1950 version and then uh, after seeing how they wrapped it all up with number two and the fact that, uh, you know, they did the fun thing on Zoom, you know, fun little, 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 you know, sweet. little video. I, I just really say that this was it is a truly classic film series. Definitely. Definitely. So it definitely gets my easy chair. I'm going to buy an easy chair and sit in it. Yeah. And you, know, and you know what? I have to agree with you, bro. I just think, you know, there is comedy that is nice right now. And then there's comedy that will always be good. And in the original and in the remakes, this is just like funny humanity. You know, they're just taking the parts of us that are funny and putting it in, an, in a story that is relatable. And so that to me is a recipe for a classic comedy. So this movie, this movie series definitely gets my easy chair. Absolutely. I will say uh, the series, it gets my easy chair. I will say that at first I was kind of like, let me break up my easy chair. I was like, the 1990s version gets my easy chair. 2020 doesn't get a classic just yet because it just happened. <laughs> and, 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 and the 1950 so version, you know, it was good. But I, the, the series as a whole, because of how they flow, and then again, just how they are fam about people, um, mm. I really, I, they definitely get my easy chair. They get my mm. easy chair. Man. All right. Well, there it is, yeah, folks. That's the is. right perspective. This film series is a classic from our perspective. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Our next episode will be on, and we just decided it live, just partially out of spite of Aubrey, we're going <laughs> to the first Wives Club, because it was my turn to pick. And so I do, I think, I think the viewing audience. Bro, I want you to know you brought that on yourself. I think the viewing and listening audience would, listen, I think they all, if everyone is thinking Aubrey needs a better appreciation of Diane Keaton, we're all thinking it. And so this is our chance to really celebrate Diane Keaton. And I'm looking forward to going on that journey with you, bro. And Bette Midler and um, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Oh gosh. This it's oh, this so is a funny. chick flick on 87. Oh, it is the chickest of the chicks. Oh, Aubrey hates movies where the men are whack. 
And these or women just are gonna really where it's majority great. women. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what he gets. You and, and there's a there's a singing part too. Oh, this is grand. And you know what though? I'm gonna make a statement right now, and I'm happy the world's gonna hear it. Because I think that this movie is actually great enough that Aubrey Wright, the man you see before you, I think he'll like it. I think Aubrey is going to grudgingly like it because of how well done it is. So that's my forecast. Oh, yeah. So that's it, folks. That's the right perspective. Thank my you for joining us. My forecast is he's going to hate it just like every other chick flick he has. He's going to hate this movie. All right. Only one of us can be right. Do you, <laughs> listeners, do you want to know who's right? Judy? <laughs> To the right <laughs> perspective. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>